Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's a Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. We don't know whether or not we're back on Sky Sports yet. Either way, hello to our friends in the UK and in Ireland who can find our content at ProFootballTalk.com or our YouTube page. Chris Sims working at home. We are still trying to provide for you during these crazy times a distraction, a diversion. And the NFL is going to provide us all with a diversion, Chris, because over the course of the next 24 days we're getting ready for the draft which is proceeding april 23rd and yes it is only three weeks and three days away yeah and and, you know i'm really happy that the nfl is proceeding you know i know it's going to make life really hard on you know nfl executives and coaches and everything like that but you know again i find myself frustrated right now i'm sure like a lot of americans are and people across the world You know, this I'm stressed out. I don't even think I really recognized I was stressed out, Mike, until like Thursday or Friday night, sitting down with the wife. We're having a drink. And I I just took a deep breath. And I was like, man, you know, I'm 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 stressed. I don't know what other any other way to say it. You know, me being out of my routine, you know, I do worry about, you know, acquiring the sickness, anything like that. You know, life is just so different right now. And doing this show, us talking football. You know, having the draft to look forward to, you know, I know me personally and I know another, a lot of my friends feel the same way. At least it's something other than the news and coronavirus information. And uh, so I am very happy that the NFL is going to proceed and go forward to get, get our minds off of this. And, and, and I mean, this is a point that I want to hammer home anytime we get a chance to do it. We'll move on to what we're here to talk about in a second. But, folks, find a way, whatever it is that works for you, to keep you even keeled in these times. If you can only take so much of the news, 
Turn it off. Go outside. Do something. Get away from it. Find something that you like doing that takes your mind off things. Exercise is great, especially if it's strenuous, because you can't obsess over everything. And yes, we should be concerned about all sorts of things happening now, but we still have to get through our lives one day at a time, one hour at a time. So please find time every day to take care of yourself, to quit thinking about all that stuff. And hopefully one of your ways to do that is to listen to us. So we're not going to talk about that stuff. We're going to talk about football. How about Cam Newton, who continues to post workout videos? Chris, he's gone from the weight room out to the field. And he posted a video over the weekend saying, people love a good underdog story. I ain't that. He's not an underdog. He's the top dog, and he's ready to get back there. Now, Look at this video, and it doesn't show us a whole lot, and obviously it's not going to be how he looks on a field in pads going against a live defense, but what do you see out of Cam Newton in these videos he's posted? Well, I, I think the biggest thing I see more than anything, Mike, right, I want to check out the foot and what's that look like. And, you know, from the first little highlight I saw, I went, oh, the foot looks like it's in good shape because he is dropping back aggressive. And I, I looks like at 100% effort and speed and moving around. So if I'm an NFL team, a.k.a. the Los Angeles Chargers, and I'm starting to kick around the can on the Cam Newton idea, this would give me a little comfort to go, wait, he's got a team of guys out there. They're staying on him. He's obviously professional, but he's moving and dropping aggressively with that big body to tell me that that foot, whether it's 100% or not, is very close at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, there is a violence, right, to that movement. Yes. It's like that camera angle gives you a sense of what it's like to be on a sideline. When you watch a game on TV, you don't really sense it until you're down at field level. And that's where I think there's a benefit to seeing him at that low angle like that. And the way he explodes, it, it makes me have confidence in his foot. Now, I know he's still got to have a physical and all of that, but... Man, I'll tell you what, is is there a point where he can post a video that gets somebody to say, screw it, we don't need to give him a physical, let's just sign this guy? I, I think this is something like the Cam Newton publicity tour for me right now would be, hey, Cam, every other day, release video of you doing workouts and you doing drills and doing things like that to show everybody like, hey, one, you're working, but two, that your body is functioning at a high level. Yeah, I think there's something to that. If I'm his agent or anybody, you know, in his camp, that would be something I would make an effort to do right now is, yes, you know, daily, few times a week, whatever it may be, we're going to release content on you, Cam, and have some cameras here to make NFL executives, the people, the media, everybody get a good look at you to go, hey, the guy's healthy. He's ready to go. Now, who wants his services? Because, you know, I'm like you. I think when he's healthy, he's dangerous. And no matter what team's he on, he, he got a chance to win when Cam Newton's your quarterback. Remember when Johnny Manziel showed up for his pro day workout at Texas A&M six years ago, and he had a helmet and shoulder pads on. Remember that? Remember how kind of goofy right. that was? Sure. I'm telling you what, the next Cam Newton video should be full pads. Show us that you are still the guy that you always have been. It's one thing to see him doing it in street clothes. Put on the, I mean, I'm telling and you know, we, I don't know how people would react to that. But to the extent that you want to convince people you're back, go all the way back. Put on the pads. L let us feel like it's the same guy who can move around now like he always did. Because if this guy's healthy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And what the hell are the Chargers waiting for? And I think with more of these videos, Chris, I think we're onto something here. With more of these videos, somebody's going to pull the trigger on this guy. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, and what we really haven't talked about here, Mike, and 
You know, I, I know I brought it up when it first happened, but the big thing, the elephant in the room, and, and it just didn't get enough attention, in my opinion, is Carolina screwed over Cam Newton. I mean, they screwed him. You know, I, I just feel like if other quarterbacks got treated the way Cam Newton just got treated, where, oh, hey, free agency started, hey, look for a trade. Uh, a lot of the other spots have been filled already, but go ahead and look for a trade now. I mean, I'm sorry. It makes me want to curse. I'm going to just say it's BS is what it is. For a guy who has clearly been the best player or at least the most notable player on the, the history of that franchise, the fact that they waited so late to figure out what to do with Cam Newton, it bothers me. I can't lie about that. And now, yeah, who else is there, Mike? I don't know. It's uh, The Chargers are bust right now. Or it's wait till training camp or wait till a team reevaluates their situation. I really don't know, but I do think it kind of pisses me off that Carolina did that to Cam Newton. Peter King and I talked about this on Friday, you know, the day that you were home, but you weren't working as opposed to today where you're home and you're right. working. And, and uh, we, we, you know, I pointed out the Greg Olson contrast that they cut Greg Olson right after the Super Bowl. They knew they weren't going to keep him. They didn't try to to create a trade market for him. They didn't. And, and I think cutting Greg Olson right after the Super Bowl was part of the effort to get a trade for Cam Newton because, hey, they didn't cut Cam Newton. They must be keeping him. Maybe if we want him, we need to trade for him. And they just, they hung on to that trade possibility for way too long. There's a point where you just have to accept it's not happening and we're going to let the guy go. And I think when you're at the scouting combine and you're selling this idea that Matt Rule, the new coach of the Panthers, can't wait to coach Cam Newton. That was the moment we all should have been throwing the challenge flag, saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is all baloney. You're trying to get somebody to offer you something this week. It didn't happen. That's when they should have cut him. That, exactly. That, that, gives you a, that gives you a way to let it play out for the month of February, see if anybody shows any interest, and if as of March 1 they don't, drop the facade, quit the ruse, move on, and let the guy have a fair chance to land somewhere else. And the only reason I can think they held him is because they wanted to wait to get Teddy Bridgewater bird in hand before they let Cam go, but they weren't going to keep him anyway. Chris, nobody thought they were going to keep him. No, I know. And, and, you know, Mike, I think you're correct in, in your little timeline there. Yeah, once you got to the end of February, you should you should have by that time had plenty of time and opportunity to meet, talk to different teams about trade possibilities, anything like that. Once you got to that end of February, early March, you're right. That should have been the time where they should have said, okay, Cam, figure out what you're going to do or we're going to make you a free agent or, you know, let your camp and your agent call around teams to try to figure out a trade. But just the way Cam Newton reacted, he didn't want this. It didn't seem like he totally expected this. And I just don't think it's a good look for the Carolina Panthers right now with the way they treated him. And yes, they've handcuffed him. And now, you know, to further the conversation, what did the Chargers do? You know, the Chargers probably, yes, we know they were like, you know, flirting with the Tom Brady idea. But, you know, anybody I talk to in the know in the NFL definitely thinks the Chargers are thinking about taking a quarterback in the top 10 of their of the draft. And now they just got to figure out, do they want to take a quarterback in the top 10 and start something with the future of their franchise? Or do they want to go the Cam Newton route? and say, hey, let's roll the dice and see if the guy's healthy. And maybe if he is, we got a quarterback for the next three, four, five years. So those are the things that I think why we're not going to hear a lot about this right now because the Chargers are probably going to try to figure out their plan of attack going forward. And if they want the quarterback, what the plan is. And if they don't want the quarterback in the draft and they go, Cam Newton, what's the plan there? So they need to figure out what plan is best for their organization. 
I was told after the Chargers missed out on Tom Brady and he had picked the Buccaneers but had not yet officially signed with them, the Chargers were debating Cam Newton. Now, at the time, Cam Newton was available in trade, and that was such an awkward resolution to the situation. They gave him permission to seek a trade, and in that same article posted on the Panthers' website, GM Marty Herney acknowledged they've been trying to trade him. Like, okay, if you can't trade him, how's he going to trade himself? They should have right. let him go then, but he is going. He is gone now. He is available now, and I think the Chargers should be at the front of the line to get Cam Newton. No disrespect intended to Tyrod Taylor, but if if Cam Newton's healthy, he's clearly the better option. He's clearly the better draw, and I don't care how many times the Chargers try to say they're all about trying to win football games and not. Well, if that's the case, then they got it wrong because at some point it is about resonating with your fan base it is about getting people to show up for your games it is about developing a following in LA why the hell did you move to LA if you aren't going to try to develop a following there Cam Newton is a guy who helps you do it yes he's Hollywood he's a superstar come on I mean he's as handsome as a Hollywood actor I mean that's just the the plain and simple you know fact of the matter and he fits in up there I don't think he'd be at all enamored by the big lights or the pressure of LA I mean I think he would just welcome it i think he would relish it i think he would look at it and just go oh bring more of it this is awesome we're the new stars in town screw the rams i think he really could give the chargers that type of attitude and you know they're they're a team right now you just look at them and go man there's a lot of possibilities there we know that defense is special they got some good receivers you know the defense has some star power the offense right now with the chargers does not necessarily have household names yeah Guys like you and me, we know Keenan Allen's really good, but he's not like a superstar household name that everybody knows. Hey, my Aunt Wendy, my mom, my wife, whatever, they're casual football fans. They know who Cam Newton is, okay? That's what kind of guy he is. He will bring a whole new uh, you know, area of people attracted to your team or you know what I'm going to say, a dynamic of people. Uh, I'm, can't, I'm blanking on the word. Demographic. Demographic. That's the D word I was looking for. He will bring them to the table because uh, he is Cam Newton, and people know he's famous for more than just playing on football. His outfits, his attitude, everything. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a very different D word than the one that you usually use now. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, it's funny. It was a year ago that we were musing about Rob Gronkowski starring in a reboot of the original Terminator movie that had Arnold Schwarzenegger. When you look at the workout video last week from Cam Newton when he's doing the pull downs and he's walking around shirtless in his little gym there, I tell you what, yes. sign me up for Cam Newton in the reboot of the Terminator. Sorry, Gronk, there's a new Terminator in town and his name is Cam Newton. Well, yeah, I, Cam's bigger than Gronk right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If you're asking me who I'm taking in an arm wrestling contest right now, I'm taking Cam Newton over Gronk and. You know, I just think, too, if the Chargers were to roll the dice on a guy like Cam Newton, and I don't think it's that risky of a roll, I just look at it and go, man, if there's a time to get Cam Newton, I mean, look at him. Holy shoulders. Holy cow, Batman. That is unbelievable. You're talking big time. Man, he is ripped. Woo! And that's just not ripped. There's some thickness to that, too. And I he's know. Six five. To be built like he's 5'10 and huge look at and his he's 6'5". He's got a Christmas tree on his back, man. Look at that thing. That is unbelievable. But to me, if you're a team like the Chargers and you roll the dice on a guy like Cam Newton right now, now's the time. He's motivated. He's pissed off. He feels cheated by the NFL. 
he feels cheated by Carolina. You're going to get him at like his tip top focus level right now to prove people wrong. Just like Brady in Tampa or Peyton Manning when he went to Denver, same type of thing. So to me, that would help ease my pain if I'm thinking about Cam Newton as well. The Chargers have made by putting faith in Cam Newton. And look, I don't know what he wants financially, Chris. It may be a ridiculous amount, but it's not like the Chargers are really negotiating with anyone else. I think they should swoop in and get this deal done. I've seen enough. I, and, and you know, yeah, they're, they're, look, physical, you may not be able to do it for a while. I don't care. Sign me up for Cam Newton. Get him on the Chargers and get him selling tickets to that new stadium in L.A. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, Football Week in America begins tonight with the first ever Sunday night football game from NBC. And it's got the first installment of Eli versus Peyton Manning. We'll talk about Manning Bowl 1 and think back on that game when PFT Live continues right after this. Football Week in America begins tonight on NBCSN. 7 Eastern, it is the first ever NBC Sunday Night Football game from 2006 with Al Michaels and John Madden. Manning Bowl one. Peyton Manning then with the Colts visiting Eli Manning then in his third season with the New York Giants. The Colts would go on to win 26-21. Peyton would be 3-0 and against his kid brother Eli Manning, although they both ended up with a pair of Super Bowl wins. Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl win, Chris, comes at the end of that 2006 season over the Chicago Bears in Super Bowl 41. What stands out to you from the first ever Manning Bowl? Well, I mean, first off, like, come on, does it get any more special than that? You're playing like your big brother or little brother in a Sunday night football game to lead off a 2006 season. I mean, I think that's the first thing I talk about when you talk about the first family of NFL football, the Mannings are clearly that. I mean, that's just so special. But I just, you know, think back about the time because I was a starting quarterback and I had a spleen at the time uh, and remember thinking, man, this is a big year for Peyton Manning. Is he ever going to win a Super Bowl? Is he ever going to get to a Super Bowl? And I remember thinking with Eli at the start of that season going, man, this is a big year for Eli. I don't know. He was the number one pick of the draft. He hasn't been very impressive yet. So there was really big questions about Eli going into that season, about him as a starting quarterback and what his talent level was. And then Peyton was like, hey, we know you're arguably the best quarterback in the football, but it seems like you choke, right, in every big game, which, you know, of course wasn't the reality of the situation, but that was the stigma around him. And uh, that was a good start for the Manning family uh, for, for years to come this, this year. Back when you were playing, would you go home after the game and watch like a Sunday night football game? Definitely. Like, couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to just sit on the couch, watch some football, you know, and hang out and relax and whatever it was. That was, one, that was, you know, really your only opportunity as a player, Sunday night and Monday night football, to watch a game, you know, because, of course, you're busy on Sundays most weeks. So, yes, I relish that, whether I had a teammate or a few teammates over and hang out, watch some ball, uh, r really loved it. And, of course, I can still remember sitting there. I think I had uh, Jermaine Phillips, the safety we had with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over that night. The wife cooked us some dinner, and we watched that game. Do, do you remember how your game that day went, the day of the first Manning Bowl? Do you remember? 
Not good. I know Ray Lewis was in my nightmare. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ray Lewis and Ed Baltimore Reed. I, I improved their Hall of Fame resumes that day. Yes, yeah. I did. I almost got Baltimore my buddy Ravens. Michael Pittman. Yes, I almost got my buddy Michael Pittman decapitated by Ray Lewis over the middle, and I still feel bad about that. 27 nothing was the final score of that game Yikes. at Tampa Bay. At least you didn't at least you didn't have to travel home that night. At least you were able to drive home from the stadium after the Ravens came to town and did Baltimore Ravens things. Uh Peyton Manning was quoted after Manning Bowl 1 as saying it kind of hit me in the pre-pre-game when I was out there talking to someone and I see this guy walk by and it was my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself watching him during warmups. I was peeking at him during the national anthem. It was kind of neat to be on the same field as him, knowing that's my little brother out there. And he took care of his little brother every time they played three and O all time against the New York giants and Eli Manning, but the first ever matchup. And I remember what a big deal that was. I mean, it was just, you know, it was, it was that, and it happens, you know, maybe two or three times over the course of the last 40 years where they, it feels like there's a big shift in the way that NFL games are broadcast. And that was the last big shift. Monday Night Football goes to ESPN. Uh, and Sunday Night Football goes from ESPN to NBC. And Sunday Night Football now has that feel that Monday Night Football always had. The broadcast network, the flex option. And and I just remember everything feeling like a big deal with Al Michaels yeah. and, and John Madden coming to NBC. So this is how it all got started. Tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern, you get to see that game. Who had, a, who had a better postseason career, Mike? You know, you talk about Eli and Peyton. You know, they both got the best of Brady in the playoffs. You know, I know Eli only has those two runs. You know, Peyton Manning went to four Super Bowls with four yeah. different head coaches, Peyton. which I think is remarkable. You think Peyton. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, those Eli yeah. runs were special, but Peyton was awesome. We're going to draft the best current quarterback rivalries when PFT Live continues right after this. Football Week in America begins tonight on NBCSN. Two games per night, and tonight the Manning Bowl from 2006, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady from 2013, a couple of great quarterback rivalries from the past generation. So, today's draft, the best current quarterback rivalries in the National Football League. Chris Sims gets the trivia question. Here it is. Christopher, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady played each other 17 times during their careers. They were supposed to play in 2011 but Peyton missed the game due to his neck injury. Who started that game for the Colts at quarterback? What year was that? Say that one more time. 2011, the year that Peyton oh. Manning didn't play at all. Oh, 2011. Gosh, I can't think of his name. He was the real skinny quarterback, and I'm blanking out. He played in the Big Ten. What the heck was his name? Uh, I can't think of it. Who is it? Dan Orlovsky. That's not who you oh, were thinking of. No, it was not who I was thinking of. I was thinking, were you thinking of the of backup. Curtis Painter? No, there's a backup you were thinking before of, him. I know who you're thinking of. The guy from Wisconsin. Yes, I can't think of his damn name Jim right Sorgi. now. Sorgi. Jim Sorgi. Sorgi. Exactly yeah. right. Okay, so yeah. Orlovsky started. I forgot about that one. Yeah, all right. I get to go first. And for me, this one's simple. It's the last two MVPs, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, Chiefs and Ravens. They met in the regular season each of the last two years. Both games were awesome. We thought they were on a collision course in the AFC Championship game. The Ravens failed to punch their ticket for that appearance, losing at home to the Titans. But to me, that's the one that's got the potential to be the new Manning and Brady because I think these two teams are going to be in the postseason 
pretty much every year. We know the the Chiefs will be, and I think the Ravens are good enough to be there as well, and they're going to keep crossing paths, and I can't wait for them to cross paths for the first time in the postseason. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, my choice, Chris. Yeah, it's a good one. There's no doubt. I mean, it's not really a rivalry yet because Lamar has to win one of these games, but nonetheless, I think the future is bright in this matchup. Uh, So I'm with you there. It certainly was at the top of my list too. Okay, I'm going to go to one, you know, I don't think it's quite enough attention, and that's Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. To me, that's that would be the marquee best QB rivalry we got. At least it has some real history behind it. You know, I mean, yes, there's the NFC Championship game. There's the playoff game this year. They've met in a number of regular season games because the Packers and Seahawks have both been, you know, the cream of the crop in the NFC throughout the Rodgers and Russell Wilson era. So, you know, right now, of course, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers are two of the top five best quarterbacks in the game. And uh, I, I still look at that as being one of the best rivalries in all of football, if not the NFC. Yeah. And you know what? They have had several postseason games, not quite the same regularity as Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, but that's one I hadn't even thought of. That wasn't on my list. So I'll give you some credit for that Ah. one. But the good news is I've got the rest of my list wide open. And I, 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 I I thought you were going to go in a different direction and I'm tempted to go there, but instead I'm going to go with a pair of quarterbacks who, when they meet this year, have a combined age of 84 first time ever new rivalry, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, same division, both of them competing for the all-time passing touchdown record like Steve Carlton and who was the other pitcher back in the in the uh, the 80s when they both had the strikeout record they were going back and forth it was Steve Carlton and somebody else and I can't remember who else it was cuz I'm not a baseball Ryan? guy. No. Yeah, it was Nolan Ryan and Steve Carlton. I think it was. I don't know, we'll look it up. Anyway, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, same division, meeting twice, combined age of 84. Uh, that to me instantly becomes one of the best robberies in football. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna. I'm mad because I mean, I, I I'm disappointed. The fact that you didn't have Wilson and Rogers even on your list just tells me your list can't be that good. I should have picked these guys first. I'm disappointed that I did that. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I, it's not a rivalry that has history, but I think it's a rivalry that is real because I think both of these guys are very legacy aware. I think they both want to be towards the top of the list and touchdown passes and do all that. And now it's going to get personal this year with NFC South titles on the line and, you know, playoff spots on the line, let alone the personal statistical rivalry right there right now. So uh, that that's, that's, that's pretty damn good. I can't really argue with that one. All right. So this is to me, this right now is where you start to, in my opinion, you got to get thin here. There's no great rivalries like that are tried and true as of right yet. You know, the next one that jumps out to me more than anything, I guess one that, you know, we got a little preview of this year, you know, is Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I think that's one I look at and go, oh, that's this could be special for a long, long time. I mean, first off, I think in, in my if I had to rank quarterbacks in football right now, man, I know I'm going Mahomes one. And I'm either going Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson as number two. And, you know, that's where, uh, to me, it's the two, the most physically gifted quarterbacks in the game. Guys that, you know, like we talked about with some of the draft prospects earlier on, Mike. I mean, yes, they can take advantage of what's there to be had. But when there's nothing there to be had, man, they can still make it happen. And that's what's special about these guys. And I would hope that this year was just the first of many 
playoff showdowns that we'll continue to see between both of these two guys. I think they're electric and as fun to watch as anybody in the sport. Well, we saw Deshaun Watson beat Patrick Mahomes in the regular season. Mahomes got the revenge in the postseason. But that's another one where, you know, the Texans have to continue to win that division and otherwise be in the playoffs to set the stage for it. And and that's why, you know, if you get a couple of teams where individually they can run their division, they do become more likely to get together. And it was the Colts in the South and it was the Patriots in the East and they were more likely to come across each other. And then it became the Broncos in the West with Peyton Manning more likely to come across the Patriots in the postseason. Next one for me is a new rivalry, but it's got a ton of potential and it involves a couple of short quarterbacks. And I like being around short quarterbacks because it makes me feel not as short. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray beat Russell Wilson last year in his own building and they're going to play each other twice a year, every year, no matter what. And maybe at some point they'll cross paths in the postseason. But I, I'm fascinated by what that can become because they do have those similarities, short of stature, but both great quarterbacks and some fireworks when they play each other twice a year, every year, for as long as they're both with their teams. Yeah, well, I think it's yeah something, again, to, to watch for in the future, a little bit like Mahomes and Watson there, where we see the potential. I mean, Kyler Murray is, he's, he's skill set wise, very similar to Russell Wilson that way, uh, being able to make plays electric, big time arms. So yeah, I, I I'm with you to, for them to face off twice a year. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch here in the NFC West. And of course the NFC West is so talented and has so many good offenses and quarterbacks as is, uh, it just makes it one of the most exciting divisions in football. All right, here you know, what do I do here? Do I go with like an old, reliable type of matchup? You know, I have thought about Big Ben and Tom Brady, um, but I feel like that's so one swayed one way to, to Brady having the edge there. I don't know if I necessarily look at that as a rivalry, uh, but I think I got to go with that. I think it's one of the few and only tried and true ones. I'm going to go with Big Ben and Brady. I am. Not that I expect it to be like anything this year, but we've seen them play a ton in playoff football, AFC championships, regular season games. Um, Big Ben beat Brady two years ago up in Pittsburgh. So that's one, even though I feel like Brady has the great advantage, these are two Super Bowl Hall of Fame type quarterbacks who do have history. Now, are they playing this year? That's what I couldn't remember. They're not. They, they so won't. They won't play. They won't play again. until twenty. No, they'll play in twenty eighteen, nineteen, twenty. They'll play in twenty twenty one if they're both still playing. Well, I just didn't want to go with like Baker and Lamar Jackson yet. I just feel like you know. Again, I was almost thought about doing that as far as your pick. Uh, man, maybe I should have done that. I should have changed that. But I went with the historical the historical rivalry over the new age rivalry, which I am intrigued by Lamar and Baker Mayfield, but big Ben and Brady, I mean, they did deliver a lot of good, fun, meaningful football game moments uh, throughout their career when they faced off each other, as far as the Patriots and the Steelers are concerned. And it's not unreasonable to think that, that they'll, they'll both make it to 2021 and they'll both be playing next year. You're right. You know, Yeah, yeah, it it looks like that could definitely happen, uh, especially with Brady saying it all along and Big Ben saying he feels as good as he's ever felt. So I would think they got two years left back in them. And it's 2022. I don't think 2021. Oh, it's 2022. Never mind. Yeah, it's Uh every four years. 18 plus four is 2022. So that's not going to happen again. So that makes your pick even worse. 
I was trying to help you out. I was fudging the numbers a little bit to help you out. And it's not good. They're never going to play again unless they both get what to the Super Bowl. What other ones did you have in your list? Which would be awesome. Um, well, I, I tell you what, another new rivalry that has uh, some real history, Super Bowl 51, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady. You know, we haven't talked about that at all. We're still caught up in Drew Brees and Tom Brady. But Matt Ryan gets to look across the field and see that no-good SOB that took away his Super Bowl ring four years ago. And they get to play twice a year. So I kind of like that one. Well, I, you know, it's fast. I want to change my pick first off. I really do. I wish and I, I just saw the producer said I can change it if I want to. Um, but but what I find interesting, though, we don't even talk about Matt Ryan and Drew Brees is that rivalry like that. That's you know, I had that written down, but we don't seem to give that respect maybe that it deserves. And why is that, do you think? I, I just, you know, even though Matt Ryan won the MVP in 2016, I, there's, I, I, and I love Matt Ryan. We've interviewed him. He's a great guy. He does great things for the community. There's just, there's, I don't know what it is with Matt Ryan, but he's so easily forgettable among all the other great quarterbacks, isn't he? I don't know what it yeah. is, but people, we just forget him. I, I agree. I mean, yes, he had an MVP year, he brought his team to the playoffs the very next year. They were close to upset in Philadelphia in that divisional round in 2017. But yeah, I don't know what it is either. You know, of course they weren't very good last year. Uh, he doesn't have, you know, like a showman's personality that way. So he flies under the radar. And I think really ultimately, again, what happens in a lot of these conversations other than 2016 I just feel like the Saints have kind of controlled that rivalry. So that's where it's almost I don't even look at it as a rivalry sometimes because I feel like it's been one-sided, you know, swayed to the Saints and Drew Brees and Sean Payton more times than not. I think what really hurt Matt Ryan was his third year in the NFL, 2010. They had the number one seed and they were on track for the Super Bowl and the Packers came to town and destroyed them with Aaron Rodgers in his third season as a starter, sixth year in the NFL. And and that was Ryan's chance to really establish himself. So, I, you know, it was building, it was building, and then it kind of went flat, and it just feels like it's been flat ever since. And then they have the Super Bowl well, year, the MVP year, and they blow the 28-3 lead, and we've never moved Matt Ryan from that category of very good to high-level top-five franchise quarterback. Yeah, you're right. He's always on the fringe of it. And I think that's where, you know, ultimately, I think that's realistically where he was. But you're right. There's that 2010 year. You know, there's the Super Bowl year. Hey, and let's not forget, in 2012, they were hosting the NFC Championship game and yep. up 17 to nothing against the San Francisco 49ers and blew that lead and lost too. So I think you're right. I think you kind of pieced it together there the right way. Way to go, investigative lawyer Mike Florio. But I think you're right. I think that changed people's thought or perception of him because of some of those losses early in his career. Why did neither of us pick Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo? They had two spectacular games last year, and they're going to have two more this year. Well, because I just feel like it's we're talking about one guy who's amazing and another guy that I think we're still questioning, and we you know, wonder how good he really is. You know, I think that's the big thing. I just don't think we could put Jimmy Garoppolo in the status of Russell Wilson to say, oh, that's a rivalry. No, I think, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's he's a good player. He's middle of the NFL, but that's just a guy that's on a great team. You know, we're talking about quarterbacks who have greatness associated with them, no matter what team or no matter what situation their team is in. 
And we just haven't seen that from Jimmy Garoppolo yet, I feel like, to put him in that category. One more we overlooked on the way out. Dak yeah. Prescott, Carson Wentz. How do we how do I we thought about it. Well, no, I wrote it down. But again, like, you know, you know, they've played some games where Carson hasn't been there, not been healthy. He's been out. It's just been I just don't think it's kind of, you know, flourished into what we want. It's got potential, definitely, because I expect them to be the kings of the NFC East here for the time being. But I'm really disappointed with my Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady pick. Can I change it? I don't really like it. I want to change it. Uh, look, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Change it. What's your official third and final pick? My what is it? My, Hurry up. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Matt Ryan and Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, so you stole one of my ideas. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Yes. I like that. I think that's a good one. All yes. Right. Thank you. Let's, <laughs> let's take a break. Uh, Tom Brady once threw passes to Brandon Cooks. At some point, it'll be easier to list the quarterbacks who haven't thrown passes to Brandon Cooks. He could be on the move yet again. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues. Eli, anything you remember specifically from the game, a play that stuck out for you? Uh, just late in the game, you know, it was a tight game. We were down uh, a score, and uh, you know, within, within seven, I can't remember the exact score, but we uh, we had a little drive going. I hit a, a comeback to Tim Carter on the right sideline, and they call it offensive pass interference. And uh, what set us back, you know, we weren't able to overcome from that. So I think, you know, obviously paid uh, had uh, tipped off the ref and told him to call up and interfered uh, on us. But uh, like I, I think Peyton said, for our parents, they were they were just hoping for that high scoring game, that 49 to 48, where obviously Vanderjack would miss an extra point at the end uh, to help us get the win. For so they'd be happy for that for more reasons, maybe. Two big takeaways from that conversation, Mike Tirico with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. Number one, I didn't know Eli Manning had to shave. I didn't know he could grow a beard. He has a beard. I'm amazed that Eli has a beard. Second of all, Chris, the flip side of don't have a tight end block a defensive end is don't have a defensive end cover a tight end. Yeah, exactly right. You're right. As much as we get on offensive coordinators for having a tight end block defense that ends like Michael Strahan, you're right. We shouldn't have Michael Strahan covering Dallas Clark downfield. Uh, mismatch, certainly. But, man, that was uh, – I just can't imagine. The thing I thought about there more than anything, one, to be playing your brother, extremely exciting. But, man, the parents of the Manning family, that is some tough situation. You know, you want both your, play, your sons to play well. You know, who do you root for in the game in general? You know, those are, those are first-class problems for the Manning parents to have. But, nonetheless, it doesn't make it any easier. You'll see that game, 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, football week in America. First, it's Colts-Giants from 2006, and then Broncos-Patriots 2013 at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. All right, one thing to mention on the way out from football week in America to football morning in America, Peter King mentions that the trade possibilities of Brandon Cooks, the Rams receiver, still percolating. We had heard a week or so ago that his name has come up 
in possible trade scenarios. This guy was a first-round pick of the Saints, traded to the Patriots for a first-round pick, traded to the Rams for the first-round pick. Could another first-round pick be devoted to Brandon Cooks for for his career, Chris? Do you do you think that there's a team out there that would actually give up a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks? I, oh, I don't. I don't think they're going to give up a first-round pick. You know, the first thing I look at, too, with, with Brandon Cooks, and we got to remember this, there's a concussion history here. So that is going to be an issue with him in general, let alone, hey, his cap number is pretty high, too. So I think those two things are going to really drive down the value of what it costs for the player. Now, the good thing is there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams out there right now to where maybe they can get them into a, a you know, a bargaining against each other to try to get a Brandon Cooks. But Either way, I would say you got to be a little bit buyer beware with a guy like him right now at his age and his injury history. Given the unique nature of this draft, though, maybe that low first-round pick doesn't feel as valuable as it does in other years because you weren't able to do the full workup like you do in other years. Maybe a team's willing to do it. But remember, a lot of great receivers in this draft. Exactly. So That's the other guy, point. Get a cheap guy, not a guy who is deep into a veteran contract that's going to cost right. you a lot of money in cap space. That's it for today's program. It re-airs the final two hours due on NBCSN. We'll see you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.